0: Tonight I'm going to talk about stepping into our power. What does it mean to be a powerful person? And there, are, I'll talk in a moment about what I call the four principles of power. Um, but before that, I'll just say, you know, it's funny. I think if we ask people, "Would you like to be more powerful?" You know, or do you, do you think, would you like to, you know, step more into your own power? Many people would say yes. But, but many people would not regard themselves as powerful, you know, and you know, it's funny because, you know, ego says, you know, of course I want to be powerful, you know, and so there's, there's kind of a paradox there. Um, I think one, one kind of source of confusion is that we live in a culture that confuses power With control, you know, this whole idea, well, I could control everything, then I'd be powerful, you know, this kind of thing. And in fact, a certain amount of stepping into our power is about letting go of control, you know, and so it's rather than, you know, aligning with our control issues, it confronts them, you know, and so that's one hard thing about power. And I'll just say about control, it's funny. I think the tragedy of life is so many of us spend all kinds of time and energy trying to control things that we have no business controlling. And then we're not controlling the things that are very much under our control, you know? So power. I'll I'll frame this in terms of these, what I'm calling the four principles of power. The first is boundaries. Boundaries are controlled by the third chakra, and sometimes the third chakra, the solar chakra, is called the power center, because when someone has very strong boundaries, that makes them a more powerful person. And I think we live in a culture in which, there, in which there's all kinds of problems with personal boundaries and all kinds of codependent behavior. I know I had very poor boundaries when I was younger. I've gotten better. I wouldn't, wouldn't call myself at an A-plus level or anything. Um, but I think it's a character of all the, the great beings that, among other things, they had good boundaries. So how do we get good boundaries if we don't have good boundaries? Well, I think part is trusting our gut. I remember an energy healer once saying, the head can be easily fooled. The heart is sometimes fooled. The gut is never fooled, you know, but it's a matter of really listening and trusting, you know, because in our very verbal, head-centered culture, it's very easy to override our gut sense with our head. You know, I know I've had experiences, and I think we all might have had experiences where walking into an ambiguous situation, we get this gut sense, you know, this isn't a good idea, but then head says, oh, it's going to be fine, what could possibly go wrong, you know, blah, 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 and then we, we go into it anyway, and then we're nailed, and afterwards we're thinking, why didn't I trust my gut? You know, and how can I say? It? I would say it's about fiercely trusting your gut, you know and and you know I, I say that, and many people think it's hard hard for me even to hear what my gut is saying. but it, it's a funny thing about the psyche. How can I say? like if someone is trying to tell me something important and I'm blowing them off. That's going to damage that relationship. I'm probably not going to hear much more of what they have. They're, you know, they're going to give up on trying to communicate with me if I'm blowing them off, you know. But if I'm showing somebody that I care, and in fact I'm demonstrating with my behavior that I care about what they're saying, I'm going to hear a lot more of what they're going to say. You know, they're going to trust me much more, you know. And I think it's that way with our inner otherness also, you know. If if I actually trust my gut in a way that I'm living out my gut wisdom, that makes my gut more confident to share its wisdom with me, if that makes any sense. So that's part of boundaries. And part of boundaries also has to do with with all the kind of codependent stuff. You know, am I looking for approval from the outside? Am I looking for attention from the outside? Am I looking for confirmation, validation, justification from the outside? You know? And if I am, I'm setting myself up for all kinds of, you know, ways to compromise my boundary and not feel powerful because I'm depending on somebody else for giving me that sort of approval. When someone has healthy boundaries... I mean, all those things, attention, approval, confirmation, they're nice to have, but they're no longer need to have, you know, and, and just think about those things, you know, are they a need to have from others, or are they simply a nice to have from others? So that's a little bit about boundaries. I could give a whole Dharma talk just on boundaries, but. Boundaries is the, the first principle of power. The second is responsibility, what I, I would even call it deep responsibility. And there's many aspects of, of deep responsibility. I mean, we're responsible for our own boundaries, certainly. Um, I am fully responsible for everything I feel. And that's a tricky idea because we have this very codependent language encoded in our culture, you know. That other person made me sad. That other person made me upset, you know. This this event out in the world made me angry, you know. All these other external things made me feel something, you know. And that language suggests that all these external things have agency over my internal states, you know? And really, anything else that anyone says or does, what I feel, that's my emotion. I'm responsible for that emotion. And that's a hard teaching. Um, You know, it's much easier to go to blame. And it's a funny thing, you know, obviously we don't control anybody else. We don't control what anyone else says or does, you know, and we run into all kinds of dysfunctions if I'm trying to control what other people say and do. Um, But I have complete control over how the words and actions of others impact me, how they land for me, what I make them mean to me. Like all of that, how, how I interpret it, how it integrates into my system, I'm 100% responsible for all of that. Okay? And so it's, it's unusual. It, it's a subtle distinction. You know, I don't need to control what anyone else says or does, but I need to be incredibly mindful about how it's landing with me. So we're responsible, oh, and I, I should say also, um, uh, many of you may be familiar with nonviolent communication, but if you're not, it's, it's really a wonderful uh, system of communicating you know that, that reinforces some of these principles of responsibility. Rather than saying, you, know, you made me angry, uh, the nonviolent communication approach would be to say something more like, when you did such and such, I felt anger come up in me and so I'm not hiding it I'm I'm sharing it but I'm I'm very much naming it as my own I will say also just in my own life you know there there certainly have been times over the past 5 years when say I've been you know driving or at the grocery store and and something that somebody else said or did kind of tweaked me and made me mad And of course you know it was a stranger so i I didn't interact with that person but you know walking away reflecting on it it usually didn't take too much reflection to realize that the anger that was coming up in me had almost nothing to do with that other person that there was that was a very superficial kind of trigger and that it was some kind of early childhood stuff that was triggered that that clearly you know that other person not responsible for my early childhood stuff, you know. Um, so many of our deep triggers have that quality of being tied up with early childhood stuff, you know, and, and it is very much our responsibility to engage in healing for those places. So we are responsible for our healing process, we are responsible for our capacity. A couple weeks ago, I talked about capacity. We're responsible for the quality of our attention. You know, we're responsible for everything about how my state of mind filters the world and produces my experience, you know? And I think it's, how can I say? I think people who don't do transformational work think very much as, well, the world is just the world. It just is, you know. But I've had the experience, and I imagine many of you have had the experience, that the more we do work, the more we realize the energy that I have completely changes my experience of the world. And there's times that I'm, I'm selfish and wrapped up myself, and the world's very gray and you know, not many possibilities. Then there's times that are more centered and open and the world is alive and sparkles, you know. We're responsible for the experience of the world that our state of mind creates, you know. That's a hard one. So responsibility is the second principle of power. The third is focus. I remember reading at one point in a mystical text, when consciousness expands, will shrinks and focuses. And I think a way to say that is, you know, first of all, when we're distracted, we're just not very powerful. We're not very effective. Um, If my consciousness is not particularly purified, Then I'm attaching importance to 500 different things. And my emotional energy is going in 500 different directions. And of course, when your emotional energy goes in 500 different directions, you tend to get very little done. You know, focus is about letting go of all the stuff that we don't really care about. Letting go about all the stuff that doesn't matter so that we can direct our full attention to the few things that actually matter. And that makes us considerably more effective. And of course, focus is also about refining the quality of our attention, and um, and it's something I've often talked about here that we we live in a a time of scarcity of attention, and so few people be, even begin to think about what is the quality of my attention, you know, and sort of the levels of attention that we can have. Um, but again, the the more attention, the higher quality attention I give to the world, the more alive the world is. Um, And it's also just such a tremendous gift to give the people I care about a very high quality of attention, you know. The final principle of power, the fourth principle, is intention. And intention is a word that is um, widely misunderstood and widely cheapened in our, in our modern culture. Most people use the word intention as plan or expectation. They hadn't, you know, the expectation I have in my head of how my action is going to turn out. You know, so I do one thing, think it's going to have a one impact, and then it tweaks people. They, they interpret it differently. It has another impact. And I say, oh, that wasn't my intention, You know, in other words, it didn't match the picture I had in my head. You know, but that's not really what intention is. Intention has nothing to do with the head. Intention comes out of the deepest part of our being. Um, You might say intention comes out of the soul level or out of the level of of the self, out of the level of our wholeness. I've heard some mystics say if you look at the whole panoply, the totality of your life right now, whatever the friendships, whatever the relationships, whatever the employment situation, whatever whatever, you know, the odd things that good or bad that have come into your life, all of that as a whole reflects our soul's intention. All of that is the experience that my soul has magnified, magnetized. And so I think it's one of the trickiest things in life to discern and align with our deep intention. Um, It requires a lot of letting go, a lot of silencing, a letting go of the head plans. Um, I think one powerful clue is what Joseph Campbell said. It was really, the more I reflect on it, it's so brilliant. He said, simply follow your bliss. You know, when we're doing the thing that fills us with a kind of vitality, that's a good clue that we're aligned with our deep intention. You know, And so if a person has good boundaries, if they're deeply responsible, if they're focused and they're aligned with their intention, that's a very powerful person. Now, at this point, I want to share a quote. I won't pass out the quote sheet just yet. I'll just read this quote. This is a very famous quote that I'm sure you'll recognize. From Marion Williamson. It's from a book called Return to Love. Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child to God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So that's a a famous quote, it was written by Marion Williamson in this book in the early 90s, and then it was quoted by Nelson Mandela in his inaugural address, and it's funny, half the citations on the web will attribute it to to Mandela, not to Marion Williamson. But I read that quote, I don't know, 20 some odd years ago, and I've been thinking about it since then. Why? Why is it that being powerful beyond measure is our deepest fear? And I think it has so much to do with with growing up. So much to do with, you know, if I'm really powerful, I don't get to use my, my old excuses. I don't get to blame other people for things. I don't get, I don't get to indulge in the victim narrative or self-pity or, or, you know, or the thousand other little escape hatches that my, that my, my psyche constructs to make itself comfortable, you know, like all of those go away. And I am, I am 100% responsible for my entire life and my entire experience. And there's something terrifying about that, you know. I think it's, how can I say? I, I, one thing I've said in other Dharma talks, we often don't know the extent of our control issues until they're challenged, you know. And I think we don't know the extent of our, you know, our excuses or our victim story or our, or our self-pity narratives until they're challenged. You know. And the thought of stepping into our power challenges all of that all at once, you know. So I think it's just important perspective to have because as we're moving toward our power it's the nature of moving toward our power that is going to be confronting, that there's going to be moments that it's terrifying, you know. And that that it really is a hero's journey to move toward our power. Um, It also is, among other things, a tremendous gift. Really a gift to everyone dear to us in our lives. The more powerful we are, the more we're contributing to the world. You know, among other things. When I'm more powerful, I'm generating more love. I'm generating more healing energy. um, All of that. So I want to, to close, I want to share something I've shared before, my own version of the serenity prayer. I've I've thought about the serenity prayer, and incidentally, I'll I'll share a, my my friend James has a a joke version of the serenity prayer. He says, God grant me the serenity to accept all the things I cannot, I, I cannot change, other people. The courage to change the one person I can change and the wisdom to know that that one person is me. <laughs> and I've thought about the serenity prayer and I've thought that the word responsibility needed to be in it. And so after, after a lot of reflection, this is the version of the serenity prayer that I've come with, up with and this is what I say every day. May I take deep responsibility for all the consequences of my actions, both intentional and unintentional. May I take deep responsibility for my emotional states. May I take deep responsibility for everything I control and everything over which I have some kind of influence. May I accept complete surrender toward all those aspects of life over which I have absolutely no control and no influence. May I cultivate tremendous trust and acceptance wherever my control and influence end. May I relax into the deep vulnerability of human life. And between what I control and what I do not, what I influence and what I do not, may I have the wisdom, the courage, and the insight to know the difference. So that's the version I say every day and the version I recommend to you if you're interested. Um, At this point, I'll share the quote sheet. First with the zoomies. So, I have the Marion Williamson quote there. I have my version of the Serenity Prayer there. From the 19th century preacher Philip Brooks, who lived in the Boston area Do not pray for easy lives, but pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your power, but pray for powers equal to your tasks. Then the accomplishing of your work shall be no miracle, but you shall be the miracle. Every day you shall wonder at yourself and the richness of life, which has come to you by the grace of God. From the writer Napoleon Hill, Thoughts mixed with definite a purpose, persistence, and a burning desire are powerful things. Louise Hay said, you have the power to heal your life, and you need to know that. We think so often we are helpless, but we're not. We always have the power of our minds. Claim and consciously use your power. Ramdas says, the most exquisite paradox, as soon as you give it all up, you can have it all. As long as you want to As long as you want power, you can't have it. The minute you don't want power, you'll have more than you ever dreamed possible. Alice Walker said, the most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Henry Cloud says, boundaries define us. They define what is me and not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. Knowing what I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. Steve Goodyear said, your power to choose can never be taken from you. It can be neglected and it can be ignored, but if used, it can make all the difference. Brian McGill said, every journey begins with the first step of articulating the intention and then becoming the intention. Brené Brown said, "Compassionate people ask for what they need. They say no when they need to, and when they say yes, they mean it. They're compassionate because their boundaries keep them out of resentment." That's a that quote raises a great question. Do you own your no? Do you own your yes? Does your yes really mean hell yes? Does your no really mean no? You know, or do we give the codependent yes that's, you know, it's really no, but I'm doing it because I want to make you happy? Like that kind of thing. Brenna Yuvanov said All acts are ruled by intention. What you mean is what you get. That, that's a powerful one to reflect on. What you mean is what you get. Lujan Mattis said, in most cases, it's not what you do, but what you don't do that delivers you to a state of power. Lance Conrad said, people never know what they are capable of until all other options run out. Kevin Donaldson said, remember, no one has the right to control your emotions, thoughts, and actions unless you let them. Dibeshit Midrash said, most powerful is he who never cared for power. Theun Maris says, a warrior cuts out all unnecessary acts. In this way, he saves his personal power. And that raises an interesting question. What are the unnecessary acts? What are the unnecessary emotional expenditures that we could cut out of our lives? Yacinta, and then I won't even try the last name, she said, do not wait for the green light. You are the green light. Shannon Alder said, the only real conflict you will have in your life won't be with others, but with yourself. Deborah Day says, evaluating the benefits and drawbacks of any relationship is your responsibility. You do not have to passively accept what is brought to you. You can choose. And then the final two are from Mark and Angel Chernoff. One of them is, it's not what you say to everyone else that determines your life. It's what you whisper to yourself that has the greatest power. They also said, when you can stop worrying about what you cannot control, you have the time to change the things you can control, and that changes everything.